Prayer matters more than you know. And it was very interesting how we talked and had a dialogue. Prayer does a couple of things. How I many know prayer changes things? We pray because prayer changes things. And we know that it does. But how I many know it doesn't always change things? Sometimes God uses that prayer to change us. And uh, he realigns our hearts and our desires and our thoughts. And uh, that's okay. It's, it's okay if it's not going to change that. God changed me. And then last but not least, we talked about prayer gives us strength. That in the gap, that while I'm praying, that while I'm seeking for God to do whatever it is we're asking him to do, that prayer actually gives me strength. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. You can watch it on YouTube at Anchor Ben TX and, and check it out for yourself. But it launched us off into our 21 days of prayer uh, and fasting. How many of you have enjoyed our 21 days of prayer and fasting? We do it twice a year. And so it uh, launched us into that, and what we're doing is we're meeting Monday through Friday at the Dream Center, which is our local outreach center. Over 100 of you are showing up each morning at 6 a.m. Uh, from 6 to 7, and then again on Saturday at 8 a.m. But the expectation, whether you show up to the Dream Center and you come and pray with us corporately or you're doing it at home, the expectation is that for the next 21 days, we are seeking God, we are focusing on God, and we're going to make Him a priority as we launch into this new year because prayer matters more than we might know. And if you hadn't started with us, I want to encourage you, just take the next two weeks and say, I'm going to join with you. And maybe show up at the Dream Center. Just if it's not there, do it at the house in your lunch break, whatever it is. Find something to fast and then join us with prayer. And then it's going to end Saturday, 20, uh, Saturday, January 26th at 8 a.m. I'm asking everybody who can to show up at the Dream Center, and that's going to be the culmination of the 21 days of prayer. It's going to be amazing. Now, today we're talking about purpose. I want everybody to say purpose. <clears throat> say it again purpose. purpose. Purpose matters more than you know. Now, the question is, have you ever had something matter more than you knew? You ever had something in life? It's like, I didn't realize it mattered that much. About a year and a half ago, Phyllis and I started a journey to get fit and uh, to try to get in shape. You know, we turned, uh, I turned 40 a couple of years ago, two years ago, and something happened when my body turned 40. Now, I don't think I'm old. I think I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Uh, but, you know, it changed. Things began to shift in its location and the way I process food. And it's pretty amazing. It wasn't like that at 39, but when 40 happened, it was like, bam, something's happened. And Phyllis and I just decided, look, we're going to start and work to get in shape. I want to become healthy, and I want to lose weight. And, and ultimately, I really want to get rid of these man boobs. Just happened in 40, I'm telling you. It was like a year. I'm like, yo, yo, no man boobs for me. Preach, preach, come on. It was just, it was ridiculous. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not tolerating it. And so I told her, I said, let's get in the gym. And so we went and got the membership. And man, it was tough. I mean, it is really difficult. If you've been out of shape for at least a decade or more, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And your excuse is kids, right? Like I got four kids. How in the world can I go work out? All you young and giant got, you ain't got a spouse, you ain't got kids. You may not even have a job. Of course you could be up in the gym. <laughs> it's just, just been, you know. So, but at 40, we just said, hey, we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to make it a discipline. And so we go in the first couple of weeks, I'm just huffing and puffing. I'm like, I'm just going to run. You know, I try to run about a lap and then I'm good and th then walk the rest. And, 
You know, and then after a while, you start to work out and you feel good, and, and we get to where we would work out three to four days a week. And then, you know, about a year passes, and I'm consistently at four and five times a week. And you probably didn't even notice a big difference or a big change because I didn't notice that big of a difference or change. And so, you know, I just figured if I'm gonna get in shape, I've gotta go work out. But what I didn't realize was that diet is 90% of being fit. It's 90% of being healthy. And so I would go in there and I'm working out. Look, I guess that the reality is when you're young, you could throw up some iron, you can go work out, and you could eat anything you want and you still look good. Like, I eat all the stuff. I still had a two-pack. I didn't have a six-pack, but I had two. I was like, well, that's good. Two's better than, than a keg. You know, I mean, at the end of the day. And, and, but when you get older, you can't do what you did when you were younger. Your body doesn't metabolize the food. And so, look, I still like chocolate brownies. I still like bread. I still like the Roadhouse dinner rolls. I mean, eat about seven of them. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I, I like all the pastas and all the chips and salsa and tamales and fajitas and tortillas. And, but I was working out, right? And so I'm thinking, man, I'm getting healthy. I'm getting in shape. And finally, after about a year and a month, it was about four months ago, uh, I just said, I am so tired of working so hard and seeing such little results. I mean, look, I'm working too hard to be this fat. <laughs> There's muscle under here somewhere. And so the reality is I finally said, I'm going to change my lifestyle in the way that I eat. And I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, then it, I'm just going to put on all of it. And I'm just going back to man boobs. Because <laughs> at least I was happy with my food. And so at the end of the day, I, I, I changed my lifestyle. And so I found a diet that worked for me. And I decided, look, I'm not going to make it just a diet. It really is going to have to be a mentality because a diet is a fad. A lifestyle change is your life. That's like, for that's the rest. And so for four months, I shifted the way I ate. I didn't eat any more breads, no pastas, and didn't eat any more tortillas, and all the things, and, and brownies, and chocolate chip muffins, and I mean, you know, just all the things that we love and enjoy that taste so good. And at first it was very bland and like, oh, I got it. Ooh, this is terrible. And, and what I realized within three months, I lost 20 pounds. I mean, no, 30 days, I lost 20 pounds. Within 45 days, I lost like an inch and a half in my waist. I'm like, there's the muscles that I've been working on for a year. I finally started to see some of them. And what I ended up realizing was that diet mattered more than I knew. And I wonder in our life where there are things that we've been working hard at, and it's, it's not that you're not doing stuff, but the focus hadn't been on the right thing. See, you can be busy in life. You can have a job. You can have responsibilities. You can birth and raise kids. You can have hobbies. But none of those things guarantee that you live a life of purpose. It all looks the same, but it don't feel the same. When you have a life of purpose, your life is fulfilled. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is how do we live a life of purpose? How do we focus on purpose? Does it really matter in our life? What we got to understand first off as we start is that God created us, number one, for relationship. That he wants to have an authentic relationship with us. He wants us to know him and he wants to be known by us. But not only does he want us to have a relationship with him, he wants us to go on assignment for him. So it's a two-part 
process in our relationship with God. Yes, he wants you to know him, but then he's got some stuff for you to do for him. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we are God's workmanship, his handiwork. So in other words, God fashioned you, God formed you, God created you unique. He made you just the way that you are. And look at what it says, created in Christ Jesus to sit around, to just go to church, to hang out, to work. Look, he says to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, so think about this. this. This really has two points in this verse. The first one is you were created by God. He created you. Well, why? Because he wants a relationship. You're not an accident. He fashioned you. He formed you. You have gifts. You have talents. You have abilities. You have a personality. You are a one of a kind. You are unique. The psalmist says it like this. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So God made you and, and, and he loves you. But the second part is God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for you. And, and what we understand is if God has a purpose for my life, then it's my responsibility to, number one, discover it, and then, number two, fulfill it. See, God has already placed everything I need on the inside. Now I've got to go out and do what he created me to do. And so everyone needs to know that you have an assignment. Every person in this place, you have an assignment from God. See, there are two great days in your life. The first day is the day that you were born. Come on, somebody. That was a good day. Your parents had you, and it's like, wow, you're born. It's awesome. But the second great day in your life is when you discover why you were born. So look, it's great that you were born, but do you know that there are lots of people that live on this earth that die and never discovered why God created them? What a tragedy to only have been fulfilled halfway. Thank God I had the opportunity, but here's the question, what did I do with the opportunity God gave me? The statistics show, according to Barna, that 87% of Christians do not know why God created them. Wow. 87. Now I think our church, we, we, we surpass that statistic. I don't think it's that high here because we do some things intentionally to help people discover it, which is like next steps. But imagine 87, if the statistic held true in this place, for every 100 people, there would only be 13 that have actually discovered the purpose that God created them for. That is a tragedy. I mean, because then what we're living for is we're living for the priorities of what the world says is important. We're living for whatever comes our way instead of being intentional in the way that we live our life. And that's why many Christians drift, and that's why many Christians live their life aimlessly. And so I've got to discover, God, if you have a plan for me, I've got to discover that plan. How many think that's pretty important? So, so we cannot, here, here's what you got to hear, you cannot do anything you want. You cannot just be anything you want. You say, well, pastor, you know, say, well, you, whatever you want to be, go and be. No, no, no. We've got to discover who God created us to be and then go and do that. I love this quote by Hans Balthazar, Han Balthazar. It says, what you are is God's gift to you. What you become is your gift to God. 
So, so God has given you a gift, and it's called life. He's given you a gift. It's your personalities, your spiritual gifts. It's what he has placed on the inside. But your gift to God is, God, I've discovered it, and now I'm going to go and live it out. And that takes a quality decision. That, God, I choose to become who you've called me to be. God, I choose to do what you've called me to do. And what I have found, uh, now having pastored this church for almost six great years, is that there are people that are waiting on God to show them their purpose. And so the, the, the mentality is, well, God, I'm going to go to church, and when you show me my purpose, then I'll go and do and fulfill my purpose. And, and truthfully, what I've seen is I think this becomes an excuse. It's like, well, I'm just waiting for God to speak to me. Well, here's the question. How do you expect him to speak to you? Is an angel going to show up in your dreams? Is God going to visit you in your room? Are you going to just one day have an epiphany? I don't think that's really how it happens. I think we have to go on a journey. I think what we've got to do is we've got to say, okay, God, I'm going to move forward in what I am doing right now in whatever it is you want me to do. And then as I move forward in that, what I have found is you kind of bump along life doing this for God and doing that for God. And then all of a sudden one day it's like, wow, that's my purpose. Wow, that's, see, see look at what Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, is whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. So in other words, what do you got to do? You got to serve your way into your purpose. You got to serve your way into your purpose. So, so it's, you think about this, whatever your hands find to do, whatever is vast. I mean, think about it, whatever. I mean, God, you, you mean I can do anything? He says, whatever your hands find to do, do that the best that you can possibly do it. And I think the reality is God has placed a lot of whatever in front of us, but many people say, I'm just waiting for God. God's like, I put a whatever. It's right in front of you. But the truth is what I see is there are a lot of people that are not willing to do the whatever. They're not willing to do the anything. It's almost like we have a culture that is too good. It's too good, you know. I'm not working construction. Why? Because it's too hard. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go be a plumber. I'm not going to fix some toilets and do janitorial work. Why? Because it's too dirty. You know, I'm too good for that. Or, or fast food. Like, I'm not going to go and work at some fast food restaurant. Why? Because they don't pay me enough. The problem is you don't realize God wants you to own that establishment, but you got to start somewhere. It's the anything. It's the, oh, I'm too good to cut grass. Why? Because I got allergies. I mean, there's lots of excuses and lots of reasons. What we got to do is we got to make grit our resolve. We got to say, look, I got a can-do attitude, baby. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And as a Christian, I can serve my way into my purpose. Well, serve my way. Look, this is what David did. I want to just spend a few moments with the life of David. First Samuel chapter 16 and 17. David, I, I don't have time to go through and read all of these chapters, but the summary is David's just a shepherd boy. He's one of eight brothers, and Samuel is going to anoint a new king because God has rejected Saul. And so he goes to the house of Jesse, and you know the story if you've been raised in church. If not, go back and read it. Uh, Samuel looks at all seven brothers and finally tells Jesse, is there another person that you have, another son? And Jesse says, I got one. He's out in the field. He is a little shepherd boy. And Samuel said, well, go and pull him in. 
And Samuel brings him, or Jesse brings him before the prophet Samuel. And then all of a sudden God says, look, we don't look at the outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart of a man to qualify a man. And then Samuel anoints David to be king. Look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, this is David, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So Samuel anoints this teenagers. David at this time would have been 15 years old is what scholars believe. And so imagine this moment. He has been called in to be the next king of Israel. So he has been anointed by the prophet, and even there it says the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So, so he is powerfully anointed, like he has the power of God. And here's what we find that's very interesting. When you study this out, David doesn't become king right then. If you look at the story, it's actually quite amazing. It takes him more than 15 years to become the king of Judah and another seven years to become ultimately the king of Israel. So think about this. He is anointed king and goes on a 22-year journey to become king. 22 years. 20, like I'm doing good for 22 days. 22 weeks maybe, 22 months, I'm not so sure, God, I'm checking out of this whole deal. I thought you said I would. And so what did David do? So that's the question we got to ask is what is David doing this time? You know what David does? David serves his way to his purpose. Served his way. You say, well, what do you mean? Look, he served his father by, by watching sheep. He served his brothers by taking them food when they were in the battle. He served Saul by, by playing his harp, by being a musician for Saul. Yeah, yeah, but I thought he was king. No, no, no. He was serving his way to his purpose. He served a nation, how? By slaying the giant. He, slurred, he, he served a group of ragtag bandits, how? By becoming the leader that they all needed him to be. So the whole area of his life, the whole focus of his life was the fact that I'm going to serve my way to the ultimate destination of my purpose. And sometimes we're like, God, you called me to do something. Why? I'm not moving until I'm king. I mean, think about what David's mentality. He had the anointing and the power. He could have said, well, I mean, just imagine if he said, whoa, wait up, hold a minute. How's that go? Dude, Vanessa, where you at? Hold up, wait a minute, uh, put a, I'm going to say a little love in it, something like that. See, I just, y'all got a little glimpse of my thoughts right there, just so secular, so just pray for me, so worldly. That's probably what David would have been doing, right? I mean, but think about it. I'm not doing anything, just hold up, just wait a minute, I'm going to put some love in it until I'm king, that's when I'll serve. I mean, but that's the mentality of Christians, right? Like, hold up. Like, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be a business owner. I'm called. Yeah, you may have that purpose ultimately in your life, but why don't you go serve a little while so God can work on your heart and work on your character, and then you'll end up in your purpose. And here, here's what I've learned. Purpose is not a destination. It's a journey. And sometimes it's like, well, that's not my purpose. Like, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm awaiting. No, no, we got to follow David's example. Be willing to serve in any area, in any capacity. God, you're calling me to serve. Where? Wherever there's a need. 
yeah, but that's, you know, that doesn't really fit my personality or my spiritual gifts. And I know y'all are really big on all that. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Can I tell you how many times I did stuff that I really wasn't qualified for, I really didn't love, but there was a need? Like, there's a time where you're going to get to do what you love, but sometimes you just got to get your hands dirty. Sometimes, look, if, you, if you're like, I don't want to get out of the hot, hot sun, but they need someone in the parking lot, go serve in the parking lot. Go sweat with all the other brothers out there sweating and loving people and serving people. You know, maybe there's a need in the elementary. Where's Joanne? I don't know if she's in the, in the elementary in Cheyenne. What's up? I said, well, I'm not called to kids. Well, okay. All right. Just ask God. Why don't you just, there's a need. God's like, well, there's a need. Okay, well, then I'm called to help serve in the children. Did you know the children are the future of this church? Like, why would we not be called there? Well, because I got four of my own, and I want someone to take care of mine. Yeah, well, if you sowed in someone else's kids, maybe God would sow back into your kids. Maybe it's the youth or the nursery. You got to go change diapers. Why change diapers all the time? Yeah, again, it's just sometimes you got to go where the need is, not necessarily where you want. Setting up and tearing down the Lilo team. You know, you say... Well, I just don't, I want to go spend time with my family. Well, you can add a family to your family on the Lilo team. Like, like at some point, like I promise you, David didn't want to be an errand boy. Like, like David didn't want to go serve his brothers. Like I probably didn't even like his brothers. He, he didn't want to go fight a bear and a lion and all the things that attacked the sheep. Like at the end of the day, he did what was needed as God developed him so that ultimately he could live out the ultimate calling of his purpose. And what I found is this, when you'll go in and fulfill the need, you just start to bump around your purpose. Like there's going to come a day where you're going to say, wow, this is what I was made for. It might be a long time, but it's going to happen. I mean, that's what happened to me and Phyllis. If I got to be honest, I just remember we were 35 years old when we began the process to launch this church, 35. Now I can tell you I am living out 100% of my purpose. It took me 35 years. And I got to tell you now it's even evolving. Like God's adding this and there's a facet here that I wasn't even expecting. I'm like, okay, God, I didn't realize we would have a college and a leadership academy and all these things that you're adding, a dream center. It's like, so even there, it's the journey. But what I understood was every season that God put me in, I was found faithful while we were serving, check it out, the homeless. Yeah, yeah, when I was in my early 20s, going to pick up homeless people and feeding them and teaching them skills. And, and I learned in that process, it's okay to help people who are in the mess and get yourself a little bit dirty. That's okay to get dirty. Like God loves it when people get their hands dirty. You, you know, I learned what it was like to, 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 to serve with the young adults over in Tyler, Texas and, and the youth here in, in Stafford. And Phyllis was leading the children's and, and we were ushers and greeters. We worked in food and hospitality. I mean, every season was not a season that I absolutely loved. But I learned valuable lessons that shifted me and changed me and challenged me. You know, I learned lessons when I cut grass and it was hot outside. I learned lessons of when I was out there scrubbing toilets. I know what it's like to scrub toilets. Do some of you? I know what it's like to mop floors. 
I know what it's like to be the only person to do maintenance in a 55,000 square foot building. I know what it's like uh, to, to have to straighten chairs and change diapers. I mean, at the end of the day, those are those are character uh, moments that God develops things inside of. It's like, I don't want to, but God, I'm going to do it with my whole heart, and I'm going to serve you. And when am I going to stop? When you tell me to stop. Not when it gets hard. Not when I get tired. Not when I want to quit. I don't stop until you tell me to stop. you got to serve your way into your purpose. And, and really, it leads us to understanding what David did. Focus on the alignment, not the assignment. Like the alignment, I'm aligned with God. Every season of his life, David understood that God was the one leading him. Psalms 31 verse 3, for you are my rock and my fortress, therefore your namesake lead me and guide me. That means I'll do whatever, whenever, wherever. I'll do whatever, whenever, wherever. God, wherever you lead me, wherever you guide me, whatever you want me to do, I will do that and I will focus on you, God, that you lead me in my life. And this is what I have found and, and David found in his life as well. The straightest path to your purpose is a straight line, but God never takes you through a straight line. He never takes you right to your purpose. Say you're called to be a lawyer and, and maybe you're called to start a nonprofit. Maybe you're called to be a pastor. I don't, I don't know what your ultimate purpose and fulfillment in life is, but I do know this. It'll never be a straight path to there. Because if you can figure it out, then you'll feel like you got yourself there. God takes you a zig and he takes you a zag and he takes you another zig and another zag. And sometimes in my life I have thought, well, I don't even know, God. I thought that's what you called me to do, but you haven't moved me from doing this. So I'm not moving. I'm not changing. I'm not shifting. I'm going to hold on to my dream loosely while I hold on to you tightly. But his path is the path of preparation that will get you to your purpose. And I can't see everything or understand everything in this moment, but God does. And we've got to recognize that whatever season you find yourself in, maybe it's doing something you don't want to do. Look, I, I've, I've been through all kinds of seasons in my life. I've waited tables. I've worked construction. I was a substitute teacher. I was a kid's camp counselor as a restaurant owner, real estate investor, mortgage associate, which was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, executive pastor, leadership director, and then now I get to be a lead pastor. It's funny, when you, when you look at the path to being a lead pastor, I don't think all those things kind of culminate to that path. You, you wouldn't just say, hey, if I do all these things, I'll be a lead pastor. But you know what I found out? All those things gave me what I needed to prepare me to do what I'm doing today. And all that preparation was what I needed. God knew it's what I needed. Now, you may be called to be a lead pastor, but your path won't be my path. You need things that I didn't need. I need things that you didn't need. And what I learned was if I bypass the process, I'll forfeit my purpose. And some of you are trying to bypass your process. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. You don't want to do it. It's, you know, you're better. So, so and this is the mentality I hear. I'm better than that. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. Jesus said to be a servant. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I got a gift to teach. Why are you asking me to shut up and tear down? Well, because that's where we need you. I don't need you to teach right now. Like at the end of the day, when God needs you to teach, guess what God's going to do? He's going to raise up a spot for you to teach. 
I'll never forget the time I was at Teen Mania, and you guys have heard this story. It's, it was an interesting season. Uh, you know, I'd just gotten out of the restaurant business, and I felt like God was shifting us, and uh, you know, we just, we just felt a big change, and God called us into full-time ministry, and where it was at was at Tyler, Texas, with an organization called Teen Mania. It was serving youth, and I was hired as the program's director. Now, program's director, half of it was amazing. Logistics, operations, schedules, speakers, all those things. The other half was terrible. It was writing manuals, curriculum, instructions, uh, like the, all these manuals, like 50, 60, 70-page manuals. Now, if you know anything about me, writing is probably my lowest skill, grammar, spelling, just English language in general. <laughs> and so I guess when I got hired, I, I heard like programs and operations is awesome. And then somehow in my mind, I thought, well, I'm going to speak. Surely I'm called to speak. Oh, God, you called me to speak. So it's awesome. And I get up there, and my direct report, she tells me, she said, Jim, that's, you know, it's awesome. It's, hey, you're going to write manuals? I was like, hey, I just want you to know, like, like, I'm really not good at writing. Like, that's pretty funny. She said, yeah, well, that's half your job, so get good, and uh, we'll, we'll give you an intern that is, specializes in English and spelling and all that. And it's, I said, okay. I said, but no, really, I'm really, that's not what I'm good at. She's like, that's all right. That's your job. I said, what I'm good at is speaking. She said, oh, Jim. <laughs> I didn't hire you to speak. In fact, you'll probably never speak. And I, yeah, that's what I said. Whoa. I said, I moved to Tyler, Texas, the sticks for nothing because I'm called to speak. And at the end of the day, it was so interesting. God said, well, you can choose your path or my path. Which would you like? And I said, well, I'll just do yours, God. And he said, well, you got to have a good attitude. Why? Because joy is our response. Like, I just got to have a, okay, okay, God, I can do this. And I just remember responding and saying, God, and, and I had to get to the point, if I never speak, I will do this to the best of my ability. And you know what happened? So here's what's funny. God took a weakness and made it a strength. I learned how to write. I mean, that's what I do now. I craft messages and write and I learned how to get better at English and spelling and grip. So it wasn't something I was naturally good at, but God developed it. And I believe I'm called to write books. So isn't it funny that God put me in a place that would stretch me to not be good so that he would prepare me for the purpose that he has before me. But if you bypass the process, you forfeit your purpose. You've got to make sure you say, God, I don't understand it, but let me learn everything I can in this season. Then the last thing is this. Listen, people are counting on me. Think about it. People are counting on me. Just like Israel needed David to be the king, there are people that are depending on you to live out your purpose. So if you think about this, there are people that are already in this church. Cassie, you can bring out Mr. Potato Head. And there are people that have never made it inside these four walls that are depending on you. And so it's really interesting in this that we've got to learn to engage our life. Look at, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8. It says, each of us, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So he's making a comparison of a body with what he's talking about for the church. He says, so in Christ, we through many form one body, and each member belongs to the other. We have different gifts. 
He said, but according to the grace that's given to each of us. So in other words, see, see we were called to be the body of Christ, not individuals of Christ. And so here's what I would tell you. Your purpose will never isolate you from his body. So somebody said, well, I'm called, and, and that's why you got to be, even be careful with these nonprofits. And I was a part of a great nonprofit, even started one called Youth Can Lead. But that nonprofit has to be fully engaged in the body because God said he's coming back for a body, not for a nonprofit. So here's what he's talking about. And, and again, I'm not knocking nonprofits. They just got to be fully connected to the body of Christ. Look at what he says. He says, one body, there's many functions. So, so each of us have a gift. We call them grace gifts. So, so that means you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it. There's nothing like God just, bam, you got it. Bam, you got it. So you have, some of you have the gift of hospitality. You love hosting people. It's not a problem, doesn't burden you down. For, you know, some, some people, you, someone shows up at your house, you're freaking out. You're nervous, you don't like it, you're sweating, your palms are sweaty. What's, I'm hearing Eminem, palms sweaty. Mom's spaghetti. Look, what is wrong with me? Like all this secular music. I just heard it in my head, see? God, somebody save me. You know, so, but you love hospitality. You go get matching silverware and plates and napkins. You just waiting for someone that needs a casserole. You know, you got 17 of them in your refrigerator, freezer, wherever. Teaching, some of you just, you have a gift to teach. You can make complex things very simple. It's a gift. You know, some of you, you're craftsmen. You love to work with your hands. You just, I mean, you just find yourself tinkering with stuff. And it's like, that's a gift from God. That's, that's one of the things we love about the Lilo team. Many of them have the gift of craftsmanship. They're putting, they're putting all this trust together and putting these lights. And it's not only men, it's women too. It's, it's a gift that you have. It's a spiritual gift. Some of you have the gift of giving. It's part of our legacy team. Like you just, you just, it's just generous. You just, all, all the time, and God enlarges that. It's a spiritual gift. It's grace gift. Some of you got the gift of mercy. You just empathize with people, and you just, it's, you just, you feel people's pain. Those are spiritual gifts. And so, you know, somebody, and even before I go into illustration, that's what our next steps is all about. Give me four weeks. I just need four weeks of your life. Not, not four months, not four years. Four weeks of going to our next steps class. It happens every week. Today is actually step two, which is where you will take your personality profile test and your spiritual gifts test. And, and what we begin to do is uncover how God made you and then point you in a direction so you can kind of bump along to your purpose. Like, okay, we're gonna figure it out. You know, where, where am I needed? I think this is where I could fit in. And that's what the class is all about. That's why I say we beat the 87% statistic. We have about 35% of our church serving in a capacity every single week. Almost 400 of you serve every single week here at the church. We believe that design reveals destiny. So, so the key is I just got to discover how I was designed and then just kind of bump along. And then one day you're going to wake up, you're going to like, this is what I was made for. And many, it's on the process, it's in the journey. It's, so, so, but the important thing is this, what you gotta know is that your life matters because people are counting on you, every person. And, and let me show you Mr. Potato Head. So I, I, I love Mr. Potato Head. So, so this is kind of, do you not like my potato head? <laughs> so, so this one is, is interesting. The reason why I showed you put together is because God knows the end from the beginning. And so God, this is what I would tell you, God already has a vision for our church. Like he's not saying, Jim, I think you need to go this way. And whoops, I wasn't expecting that. Jim, why don't you go this way? And 
the pastoral team and all that. No, no, God, listen, listen, God has a vision for our church. It's already done. He, already, he, he has a capacity. He has a, he has a reach. He has, he's like, this is what I designed you for, and this is what happens. Let's see if I can put him together. It's a little complicated. There you go for me. So when we started the church five and a half years ago, really the process six and a half years ago, I just kind of had a form. It's like, man, I think we need some things. You know, we need, we need people. First off, you can't have a church if nobody shows up. Come on, somebody. And it's interesting, we started with nine people in my living room, you know, most of them were my family. And then if you added the kids, which we did, we had 17, come on, what? Not like they didn't do anything, but they sure sounded good. And so we kind of had a vision of what God wanted. And, and, and it's like, God, I think this is what you want us to do. And, and God would bring us people, like people into, into our life. And one of the first people God brought us was Joanna. Wave your hand. Joanna Portillo, <clears throat> if you don't know her. She runs all of our children's ministry. And uh, I, I just remember we were doing these interest socials and, and interest meetings. And at the very beginning, part of the, the thing is just having someone interested in your church. And, and it's a pretty hard process because you're like, hey, come to my church. Which, where does your church meet? Oh, we don't meet yet. That's where you come in. <laughs> Well, what's it like? Well, let me show you. We had a strategy guide, and Joanna had just gotten, uh, gotten saved. She was about 23 years old. She had saved at our church, but had recently been saved. You know, she was doing what all young adults do, going out and partying and doing all the things that, you know, people just trying to find existence and to cope and to, you know what I mean? People just, so, so that's what she'd done. But she got saved and was a baby Christian, and somebody told her about this interest meeting, and I cast vision and said, hey, this is kind of what the, the church is gonna be like. Here's our core values, here's our purpose, and our, our, our statements of what we believe, and, and she grabbed a hold of it, and so, so, so she began to say, look, I'll do whatever it takes and be a part of it, and back then she helped serve in, uh, I think it was nursery, wasn't it? I think you served in the nursery or preschool, and, and so you start to get them to plug into pieces, and and so you could just say, it's, it's kind of like we just, you know, sometimes you just fit them into the place where they go, and then sometimes you just fit them anywhere. Come on, somebody. You're like, I got a whole bunch of pieces, and I just got to put them in. And, and it was interesting how that God began to give her purpose, and I'm not saying she's in an ear spot as a mouth. I'm just saying, and it was interesting, Some, we started to get people onto the team, and, you know, it was pretty amazing, and... You know, this is kind of what it looked like at first, a little bit, I ain't gonna lie. 345 people showed up and we made it work, you know, and so what we started to do was get people into the right places and we started to get an ear here. Because see, at first we didn't even know what we had. At first I'm like, hey, I know you're probably an ear, but right now I just need you to see some things, <laughs> you know, just, just, that's all I need right now. Well, it's hard for me to see. Yeah, just act like you see. Like, I don't even care. Right? Come on, somebody. And I'm thankful for those that came to the church at the very beginning because we're not even the same church. I wish those people would come back and try us again. We would look a little more normal. And so what happens over time is you begin to get people in the right place. So look, she served in the preschool, and then she came on staff three years ago as my assistant. And there came a point where Phyllis and I were talking. It's like, man, she needs to be back teaching kids. That's her passion. That's her heart. She's called to minister to children. So we got her in the right spot. And same thing, you got some other people in the wrong place in different places. And so you start to just move them around. And, 
and, and you just, okay, God, we're going to stumble. It goes back to stumbling till you find your purpose. And now what you see is you see Mr. Potato Head really put back together. You see some things like instead of the nose being that way, it's this way. Or, you know, you, maybe you need to turn that frown upside down. You know, just... <laughs> Maybe instead of a one eye, you got two, you know, so, so there's some changes that have happened, but right now you walk in and you see a fully functioning body, right? Here's the challenge though. Some of you come in and though we basically have all the pieces, maybe a department doesn't have all the pieces and you look at it and you say, man, that children's department, they need someone that's got da, 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 da. And so you say, yeah, I know what it should look like. And Mr. Potato Head, that's not what you should look like. Like you're missing something. And here's what I would ask you. Are you the missing piece? Right? Because what you complain about is probably a problem that's been bothering you that you're the solution to. Right? But, but here's the challenge. I'm waiting on my purpose. And the whole time is God said, I, I've got a greater purpose, but I need you to fill a need. And that need is already in the inside of you, and you may or may not enjoy it, but it will do something to your character that will prepare you for your path and your purpose. And so this is what I do know. You know, like I said, I think the whole church, like in general, we're doing pretty good. We do a whole lot better if every one of you would engage in your purpose. There are places where we're not fully developed. And all we're waiting on is you, and, and this is what I love too, is this is what I have come to know and believe. I, I, you can't convince me otherwise. Just as in this scripture, how he talks about that, that we are all together as believers, we have different functions, different parts. When God gives a vision for his church, he always gives the provision for your church there as well. That means everything we lack is already sitting in these seats. Everything. That includes finances, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it next week. Everything we need to buy this property and to build this brand new sanctuary, it's sitting in our sanctuary. Oh, no, no, it ain't outside. No, we're not looking for millions and millions to come in, which I'm praying for our first million-dollar donation this year. Pray, You pray with me. Let's pray. Let's believe God. But the way I see God doing it more often than not is it's his people coming together, doing their part, building the vision that God has already for us. So here's the question with your life. Will you play the part that God has for you to play? Well, what is it? What's the need? What do I do? Well, you got to go to next steps today. Begin the process. That's the first step for us here. Why? Because we get to help you uncover your design. We begin to help you uncover. See, we, we want to plug you into the place where you most come alive. It just may be a little bit different than you thought. Like, like that's what makes our ushers and greeters so powerful. Every one of them have got qualities that love and engage in people. Like I wouldn't put an introvert, introvert out there uh, uh, shaking hands and high-fiving people. Why? Because they're going to freak out and quit. And, and they're, gonna, they're not even going to be the right person anyway. That's just putting a body. But the truth is, if I, if I needed someone to do administration in the greeters, you might be the perfect one. It's just finding a spot. God, where's the need? God, what do I do? God, get me plugged in. And so here's the thing that we have to know. Serving your purpose matters more than you know. And as your pastor, I'm asking every one of you to engage Here's why. It's not just for us. 
Which I will tell you, if everybody engaged, the children's ministry would be better. Parking ministry would be better. Production. Some of you have got skills for PowerPoint and lights and video. And you just, we're sitting here. What are we waiting on? Here's your invitation. Join us. Be a part of this. Let's be a part of writing God's story. Impacting lives. Think about this. Over 1,200 people come to church every weekend. Imagine what would happen if over 1,200 people engaged in their purpose. Imagine the impact in our community. Imagine what would happen to the, the cities that we live in, which we have people in Katy and Fulshire and Sugarland and Richmond and Rosenberg and Pleak. And I mean, you just, it's, it's all over. It's amazing to see where this church comes from. Imagine what would happen if we just engaged and said, God, I will serve my way into my purpose. Father, I thank you for what you're doing today. God, I'm asking you to continue to reveal yourself to us. God, I'm asking you to continue to help us to engage in the purpose that you have for us. Lord, I thank you that sometimes we do things we don't always want, but it's part of building the foundation. It's part of building the character. It's part of helping us in this journey to become who you want us to be. And Lord, I thank you for every person in this place, that you call them here. Lord, that it's not an accident that they're listening to the message today. Lord, I, I believe that your will is never passive, but there's always something that we can do, some way we can engage. And Lord, even for those that are tired, God, I pray, I, I sympathize and empathize with those that maybe are tired. Maybe some came here and they're worn out and they're exhausted and they just need to rest. God, I pray that they would find the rest that they need. Allow them to get involved in small groups. But God, allow us in the rest to somehow take some steps. That God, we can do something with what you've given us as we refresh. And Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for a church that engages in your purpose. A church that, that fulfills the, the calling. Lord, the vision that you have for us, I'm asking you as a church, let us leave nothing on the table. Let us fulfill everything. Let us see all the people reached, all the lives changed and transformed. Let the marriages be healed and, and young people who, who now have purpose and, and, and a calling. God, I pray for families to be restored. I pray for addictions to be broken off. God, I pray for people to connect to you. And Lord, that as they do, they would become fully devoted followers of Christ. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. You know, I'm talking about purpose, and the truth is you can't discover your purpose apart from the God of your purpose. you got to have a relationship with Him. And the way we do that is we surrender our life to Him. We, we, we make Jesus, we confess Him as our Lord and our Savior. We ask Him to forgive us of our past, and, and then we choose from this moment on that, God, we're going to reject the past we're going to reject the things that we used to hold on to. And we're going to focus and pursue and follow you and you alone. And I think there are some of you here this morning, you're ready to surrender your life to him. You're ready from this moment on to make a decision to become a Christ follower. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if that's you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down, but I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand as an act of surrender. Just I want to surrender my life right now to be a Christ follower from this moment forward to serve him and pursue his purpose for my life. Just raise your hand just boldly and high. Yes, yes, yes. Hands all over the place. Come on. 
Thank you, Jesus. This is an act of surrender. Yes, Jesus. We surrender our lives to you. Come on, church. Tell them how proud you are of them. Amazing. Why don't we pray this prayer together? Why don't we say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Save me. Forgive me of my past. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Fill me with your spirit. I give you everything right now. All of my hopes, all of my dreams, my future is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, celebrate this morning.